was leaning out and fulfilling plans that will stagger our imagination when we get there and we see them. Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing. We give you the praise and the honor now. For you and you alone are worthy of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have your study sheet there. We're going to be talking this morning um, on um, God's provision in the life of Ruth. If anyone needs a study sheet, if you just lift your hand, uh, Matt will bring one to you. Last week we, we mentioned that um, if we wanted a simple uh, division for the book of Ruth, we could probably divide it in three areas. The first area that we've covered is we could call it the will of man. Because you remember there was a, a famine in the land and uh, Elimelech took his family and they ran to greener pastures, didn't they? You know, while they had God's direction to them as a nation to to stay fast, to hold fast when something like this came, they decided they, they would do better in a different location. So they, they got up and they went over into Moab. And when they got over there, we, we saw where the promises that, that the world had made to them for a better life and all this type of thing, the promises didn't, didn't pay off. You know, They found out that the world couldn't give them what they were, what they were really wanting. And they also found some pretty painful consequences to their rebelliousness in the, the death of their husband and sons and then in the, and of course, the widowhood of, of both Naomi and Ruth. And then also we saw where God brought some pretty stiff disciplines in their lives out of his love to bring them back and to put them on the right track. You know, when we get outside of God's will, he is very faithful, like a loving father. He's a very faithful. He's very faithful to put pressures on us, as only he knows we can do. He can dry up those things that we put confidence in, and use those disciplines to get us back on the right track. And we've seen him do that. So we looked at the will of man. Then, when when it came when it came time for. Uh, these families to move back to Bethlehem, we saw the love of the Father. Okay, the will of man, then we saw the love of the Father. When they left Bethlehem, there was a famine in the land. When they returned to Bethlehem, it was at the time of harvest. It was a time of plenty. Okay, and God had worked in the life of his people. And as you read in in the book of, of Ruth, uh, there you can... You can just almost sense God's arms coming out and around these these people as they are returning. They're coming back. They're beaten down. They're downtrodden. They've made mistakes. They're hurting. And we see them moving from a foreign land, which Moab was to them, back to the Father's land where God's provision was ready for them. And that's what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks the provision came threefold. It came in the harvest, okay? And we've seen how God worked in the life of Ruth and Naomi uh, through Boaz to bless them in, in the harvest time. And within that harvest, we saw 
God's special provision for his widows and their right to glean the fields that were ought to be left for them. And then, of course, Boaz, the, the Redeemer, who we're going to talk about this morning. So we saw the love of the will of man, we saw the love of the Father, and that, that love manifested through the harvest, through the right to glean, through putting Boaz exactly where they wanted him to be and exactly at the right time. You know, God's sovereignty is so obvious in the book of Ruth that they would come back just the right time, that she would end up just in the right field, you know, and and everything worked exactly the way they wanted it to. We looked last couple of weeks ago in Second Kings 14. It says that God plans ways so that the banished one can be returned, can return. You know, God plans ways. When we get outside of His will, He plans ways. He orchestrates circumstances so that we can come back to Him. And we will always find acceptance. So those were the first two steps. The will of man, will of, of man, the love of the Father. And now this week and next week we're going to be looking at God's sovereign fulfillment of his covenant plan. What's going on in the life of Israel, what's going on in the life of, of Ruth and Naomi is not happenstance. It's not something that God's, you know, Ruth and Naomi have blown it so God's got to scurry around over here. To, to cover up for them. It's not that at all. Even though they have expressed their human will, it's part of God's divine plan. So we're seeing, we're going to see this morning, we're going to see how God's sovereign covenant plan for their life is includes this Redeemer, this kinsman Redeemer. And this relates so much to us because it's a perfect picture of Christ, our Redeemer. And there's two passages, it's my way of thinking, in the Old Testament that is beautiful. It's the one that we're going to be talking about this morning. So we're going to be looking at the, cover, the uh, excuse me, at the, at the kinsman redeemer. And then next week, we'll continue with looking at God's historical plan of redemption as, he, as we see how even Ruth is going to fit into the long-range plan of God for his people and the lineage for the Christ. So this morning we're going to be focusing mainly on redemption. We're going to look at, at the, the need for redemption, which is definitely a, a case in, in the life of Ruth and Naomi. We're going to look at the provision that God makes for their redemption. We're going to look at the appeal that they make, that God would redeem them. And then we're going to look at the, at the fourth thing, the response that God makes through Boaz and their lives in the life of redemption. So the need for redemption. We've all we've mentioned several times that when these ladies came back, they were beaten up, they were were uh, frustrated, they were hurt, uh, they were destitute. Two widows. A widow today is not an easy job, but back then they had no social security, they had no real jobs for women. So for a woman who was left as a widow, it was a, it was a tough life. And God made provisions for that, as we see in, in the greening. But still, it was a very, very tough life. So we see in Romans, excuse me, Romans, 
and Ruth 3, verse 1, we see that, uh, well, back in the previous verse, 2.23, we see that, that um, Ruth had been out in the fields gleaning and so forth, gone through the barley harvest. And at the end of verse 23, it says, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Okay. But then she comes and then uh, verse 1, chapter 3, it says, then Naomi said to her, to her daughter-in-law, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now, it had been some period of time that they had been back in the land. We don't know just how long. And you remember it was Ruth who took the initiative to go out and glean in the fields. So up until now, Naomi really hasn't done anything to help Ruth as far as we know, other than just allowing her to live with her. But now all of a sudden we see Naomi is, is concerned about Ruth. She's concerned about um, uh, providing security for her. Uh, the side note on that word security is rest, okay, to provide rest for her. And again, we see that they had suffered some pretty substantial uh, challenges as, as a result of their circumstances. When they left Israel, they had um, walked away from their national heritage, their rights, and the privileges that they had within the, the Jewish community that they had lived in. They had left their extended families that could have been a help to them. While they were gone, they, they lost their husbands, they lost their sons, they lost their ability to provide for themselves. And so again, when they come back, when they came back, they were destitute, they were in need of help. And so now Naomi's seeing the need to reach out to Ruth. But you know, so as it is in our lives today, it is our lacks, our faults, our failures that are the very qualifications that make that got qualifications for our ability to claim what grace will provide. Now that, that I just messed that up really good, but it's it's the grace of God is available to us not because of what we can do and what we have, but because of our failures, because of our shortcomings, because of where we have failed. Okay, uh, Roy Hessen, I. I give you a quote there on redemption. He says that redemption is that activity of grace, of the grace of God, that not only forgives a man's sins, but also restores and overrules all the loss occasioned by his sin. You know, we often think we need to confess our sins, and we do, and we know that God is going to forgive us. But we have God's promise that he will not only forgive us, but he will restore what our sin has cost if we will allow him to, if we will submit ourselves to him. So there was a definite need uh, for redemption in the life of these ladies. And we're going to see God starting to move to, to provide these. So there was a need for redemption, but now we're going to look at the provision for redemption. What was God's plan for these women as we see it in the life of Ruth? Uh, Phil, can I call on you again? Uh, let's look at uh, Ruth 2, 19 through 23. 
God's provision of redemption, as we see in the in the life of these ladies, one of the thir- first things we want to note is the fact that that He it says in verse nineteen, He took notice of you. May He who took notice of you be blessed. If you remember when 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 uh, Boaz came back, Ruth had come in. He she started working in his fields. As soon as Boaz came back, he walked through apparently the, the house where. His workers were seated or were resting or whatever. And right off, he noticed Ruth, didn't he? I mean, she stood out to him like a, uh, like a bright light almost, you know. But isn't that the truth in, in, in our redemptive, in our, in our redemption, that it's always God who takes initiative. It's always God who sees the need that we have, okay? Boaz, as he is a picture of Christ, he saw her. He saw her need. Okay, and then Naomi tells us what the the key here in verse twenty. She says, "May he talking about Boaz be blessed of the Lord, who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead." And Naomi said to her, and here, this is a key: the man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Okay? Now, in the English, we don't see a whole lot of difference in those two connotations, the, the idea that he is a relative and that he is one of our closest relatives. But in the Hebrew, it makes, a, it makes a big difference. The word, the first word that is translated relative is quarrel, I guess you would pronounce it, or motor. And that is a relative who is just simply a relative. He may be a cousin, he may be an uncle. He's a, he's a, he's a kinsman, but he's not the kinsman that we're looking for. He is a relative. But then in the second time they have reference to the relative, it says he is one of our closest relatives. Okay? And this is the word, uh, the Hebrew word goel, which is the close relative. And, and the, the designation here, the difference here is that this relative, this goel, is one who is in a position who has the right to redeem. And we're going to go into that just a little bit and understand what, out of that society, what we're talking about when we talk about the redemption. But this goel, this the word is used 62 times in the Old Testament, and each time it refers to a redeemer, one who has the right to redeem another person. Okay? Now, redemption, that as it comes here, it comes really from two, two facets. It's the redemption of the land, and then also the redemption of, of a widow. Back, uh, as we've studied uh, the history of, of Israel, we know that God divided the land by tribe. He divided the land by family. And it was God's will that that division remained and that it stay exactly the way it was, exactly the way he planned it. But we know because of... of um, of our humanness, I guess, things happen to to keep that to, to where it does not stay that way. There would be a death in the family. There would be a, a need where someone might have to, to sell 
that property or even sell themselves into slavery in order to be able to meet a need. So from one reason or another, one circumstance to another, sometimes the, the land did not remain exactly the way God had planned for it to do from the beginning. And so God told his people to make provision to, to be able to return the land to exactly the, the ownership uh, and to exactly the family that God had wanted it to be. The main reason, it was pointed out in the first verse that we're going to read now, Leviticus 25, 23 through 25, the Lord says, the land is mine. He's given it to these people. He's given it to the, to the Israelites. He's made them stewards, but it's not their land. It's his land, they are its stewards. Much of, of what we have today as believers, it's not really ours. We are stewards of the Lord. But I, I reproduce these verses here so that we have them handy. Leviticus 25 talks about redemption of the land. It says, The land, moreover, shall not be sold permanently. Why? For the land is mine. That's very important. For you are but aliens and sojourners with me. Thus for every piece of your property you are to provide for the redemption of, of the land. If a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor that he has to sell part of his prosperity, then his nearest kinsman, it's a key word, his nearest kinsman, his goel, is to come and buy back what his relative has sold. And this is part of what we're seeing in the life of, of Ruth and Naomi. Through their going, through the death of their husband, you know, they were gone at least 10 years, whether we know of, maybe longer. The land has possibly changed ownership. Something has, we're not sure exactly what's happened. The word doesn't tell us. But there is a need to redeem the land, okay, in their lives. And then secondly, not only do uh, were, were provisions to be made for the, redemption of the land, but for the redemption of the widow. If there was a widow involved, then God made some special provisions. Now, for us today, this sounds pretty unreal, unusual, doesn't it? To how many of them were, are you, uh, I better not say that. So how many of y'all would want to be married to your brother-in-law or to your sister-in-law? You know? But that was, you know, that was God's, that was God's plan, you know. Um, Redemption of the widow in Deuteronomy 25 says, When brothers live together and one of them dies or has and has no son, the wife of the deceased shall not marry outside of the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother shall go into her and, make, and take her to himself as wife and perform the duty of a husband, of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the name of his dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from, from Israel. Now, in the case of the land, if, there was not, if the nearest kinsman was not the brother, then an uncle or, or whoever that nearest kinsman was could redeem the land. In the case of the widow, it could be the redemption could be only through a, a brother. Okay, only through a brother from the deceased. So the Redeemer that God had in mind for his people was key, was very, very important. Very important in the life of the nation of Israel. But 
just anyone could not be a redeemer. Okay? God had established special qualifications in order for a person, one person to redeem another. Okay? And so we want to look for just a moment at the qualifications of a kinsman redeemer. While we do this, I want you to be very much in mind of not only Boaz as a qualified redeemer, but of the Lord Jesus and how this pictures what he has done for us. Okay? Basically, there were three qualifications that the kinsman redeemer had to meet. The first one was he had to have the right to redeem. You couldn't just decide you wanted to redeem someone else. It had to have a specific qualification. It had to have a specific right to do it. You had to have the power to redeem. And you had to have the willingness to redeem. And we're going to look at each one of those. You had to have the power, excuse me, the right, the power, and the willingness. Now, it wasn't a case if you qualified in two of the three, you were in. That's not the case at all. You had to have... All three required ones. You might have the right to redeem, but if you didn't have the power, you couldn't redeem. You might have the power and the willingness to redeem, but if you were not qualified as the nearest kinsman, you had no right to redeem. So all three of these things had to be in place, and we're going to see that all three were, in, of course, in the Lord Jesus and in his his redemption of us. So the first thing, chapter 2, verse 20, he had to have the right, this redeemer had to have the right to redeem, had to be the next of kinsmen. And then verse 20 says, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. And again Naomi said to her, The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. So Boaz was qualified. He had the right. He was he had at least that part of his qualification down. Okay? He was the a near kinsman. And we're going to find out later that there was one closer to him, but still he was in the line of, of having the right to do that. In the Lord Jesus, let's look at Hebrews two and I pulled out part of verses ten through eighteen and his right to redeem us. He says, since the, child, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook, uh, like all, let me say that over. Since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. He had to be made like his brethren, his brothers, in all things so that he may become a merciful and faithful high priest and things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He became like us. He became our brother. He laid aside his rights to take on the mantle, to, be, to, be, to have the right to redeem those of us who, who are in need of redemption. Roy Hessen, there's a quote here I thought was, was pretty interesting. He said, at the manger, the eternal one was made in the likeness of man. But at the cross, he was made in the likeness of sinful man and has exhausted God's punishment for us. It's not that he became sinful 
at the cross, but that he took on our sins. He became like us, okay? And he was he was qualified to be the one who, who offered redemption to be redeemed, to redeem us. So Boaz had the right. He was in their kinsman. He also had the power. If you look at chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. He was a man of great wealth. He had the money that he could come in. He could well afford to buy back the property if that was the case. Or he had, could well afford to take on the support of a widow if, if that was the case. Okay, He had the right to do that. New American Standard says he was a, uh, 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 let's see, says a great, a man of great wealth. Other translations say that he was worthy, that he was, he was valiant, that he was mighty. But in whatever way he he was qualified in the area, um, he had the power, the ability to redeem. Does the Lord Jesus have that? We know that He does. Isaiah 47, I, I love this verse. I saw it this week, new and afresh. It says, our Redeemer, who is our Redeemer? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Holy One of Israel. The Lord of hosts, the Holy One of Israel. He is our Redeemer. Talk about power, talk about might, talk about ability. He is our Redeemer. 1 Peter 1 says, You are not redeemed with perishable things like gold and silver from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. You remember the song, There's Power in the Blood? We don't sing that. But boy, I can remember in times past, the wonder-working power in the blood. Remember that? Those of you who know Martin Christ, you can hear him singing it. The several of you do. Fellow from our past that passed to many of us who um, glorious, glorious voice. And he'd sing with power in the blood. He said, We were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from a futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished, and spotless, the blood of Christ. And in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches or the power of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Boaz had the power. He was qualified in that respect to be a redeemer, and how much more so the Lord Jesus for us. So he had the right to redeem, he had the power to redeem, but then there was also the willingness to redeem. You know, it wasn't a case of, okay, I'm the, I'm the closest relative, so I'm, I'm just, i got to do it. I've got to do it. i got to bring it, you know, like it or not, this is my job. Okay, I'm just going to hold my breath and we will get it done. That wasn't it at all. If the Redeemer could walk away, we saw it. We were going to see that later on with the other man who was qualified, the closer relative of Boaz. He walked away from it. God wasn't requiring the redemption on the basis of you got to do it because you just happened to be born into the same family. It had to be a heart decision. Okay, 
it had to be one that was motivated out of love and out of grace. And that's what we're going to see that's going to happen. But the willingness to redeem, verse 11, chapter 3, she says, um, Now my daughter, do not fear, I will do for you whatever you ask. He was willing, whatever you ask, whatever is required of me for your redemption, I will do it. Lord Jesus said that to us, didn't he? He has provided everything that we needed. Redemption must be the fruit of grace, not the law. Redemption must be the fruit of grace. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us uh, from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good deeds. He redeemed us and then just didn't push us aside and say, okay, you, you know, I'm giving you another chance, so don't blow it this time. He made us a people of his own possession. He took responsibility for us to provide for us. So we can see through, through the qualifications of the Redeemer, of a kinsman Redeemer, that Boaz had right. He had the right to do it see that our Lord Jesus did also and he willingly did he willingly um, redeemed us and claimed us as his own but then we see something further out of the book of Ruth okay? there was a need for redemption there was a provision for redemption through the kinsman redeemer but we also see in the life of Ruth an appeal for redemption. Look at chapter 3, verse 2. It says, Now is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maid... This is Naomi speaking to him. Now is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maid you were? Behold, behold he winners folly at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. She said to him, all that, you have say, all that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And it happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she said, and she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. You are a redeemer. You are my Goel. Okay. So Ruth had to make an approach, an appeal to Boaz in this situation. And Naomi counsels her, and she says, now wash yourself. That, that's a pretty good deal, huh? When you're going to go look for a man, ladies, wash yourself, okay? <laughs> wash yourself, 
okay, anoint yourself, put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. There's a good chance, don't know for sure, there's a good chance that the only way that Boaz had ever really seen Ruth was in the context of her gleaning in the field, you know. Now there's a, I started to paint the picture I wish I had. There's a picture over in the office of three women gleaning in the field. And, you know, they're not dressed for Sunday go to meeting, as we used to call it. You know, they're dirty. They've got their old clothes on. They've got on their old uh, gardening clothes, as you might want to call them, you know. But here, Naomi tells her, says, you know, wash yourself, put on your best clothes, and go to the threshing floor. With the clothes idea, there's a good chance, don't know for sure, but there's a good chance that, that Ruth was still wearing widow's garb. She was still wearing clothes that would, would indicate that she was a widow. So by changing clothes, by putting on her Sunday go to meeting or whatever, and washing and going down, this may have been a way of indicating to Boaz that she was ready to move past this widowhood and that she was ready to move on to what God had for her. And that this may well have been, this was, was, was God's plan for him to, to take on this, this widow. We don't know that, but it, it seems to fit. And several commentaries that I read support that, support that concept. So she, took, she went there, she, she dressed up, she made herself more presentable. When he went to sleep, she uncovered his feet. As far as we know, there's no connotation there other than the fact that his feet would get cold and he'd wake up and discover her. I mean, I think it's just as simple as that. So when the time came, he went forward and, she, and he asked, Who are you? And she said, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. You are my Goel. So some would see this as being somewhat of an immodest or thing for a woman to do or for um, to, uh, to, 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 to take this upon herself to do it. But all she was doing was bringing before him, reminding him of his responsibility that God had provided, the opportunity that God had given him. We also know that there was a closer relative, and we're going to talk about that next week, there was one who was closer, possibly, I don't know, but possibly uh, Boaz had not made his move, so to speak, because he knew that that person was there. And he may have been laying back to see if God was going to, to work in some way to, to have this other man to, to exercise his right. We don't know. But anyway, she did exactly what Naomi told her. She uncovered his feet. He woke up in the middle of the night and she presented him with this. Verse 9, spread your covering over your maid for you are a close relative. Boaz knew the type of woman that, that Ruth was. He had, he had already stated that in an earlier chapter, you know, about how he respected the fact that she had been had returned with her mother-in-law and she had poured her life into her mother-in-law. In verse 11, 
he kind of puts the, the icing on the cake. He says, now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all the, my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Ladies, wouldn't you love, oh, let, me, let me restate that, aren't you glad that your, your man, your husband, consider you a woman of excellence? I just don't know of anything that could, any, for lack of a word, better word, a label that a husband could put on his wife or his daughter than to consider her a woman of excellence. In every way, Ruth had proved herself to be a godly woman in every way. But you know, that still did not qualify her for the grace of God. That still did not qualify her to be redeemed by the Lord. She still had to appeal to the God-appointed source of her redemption. You know, God had said it, and for a person in her situation to be redeemed, and we're not talking about eternal life, we're not talking about spiritual redemption, we're talking about within, within our world, within our time. God had appointed the kinsman redeemer as his, his um, provision, okay, for the redemption of these people, and there was no other true source that she could go to. Her goel was her hope. The same for the Lord Jesus in us today. You know, he is our hope. But she went to that Redeemer not on the basis of who she was or what she had done, but because this was the way that God had designated. This was the way that God had laid out. You know, over and over, one of the biggest things I've gotten out of the book of Ruth this time is the fact that in order to line yourself up with God's blessing, you've got to do it God's way. You know, Ruth had to humble herself. She had to come back and literally get on her hands and knees to pick up the leftovers. But when she did that, when she humbled herself, when she was willing to accept God's provision for her life, she made contact with God's provision and and it, and it flowed, if that makes, flowed out to her. Because sometimes we, we don't want to accept what's down here. We want God to provide for us up here. You know? And we miss his blessing because we're not willing to accept the humble way. We're not willing to humble ourselves. We're not willing to, 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 to just to be willing to be satisfied with the gleanings. You know, we want the cream of the crop. That's not where God has us. That's not where he wants to bless us. The blessing is going to come when we take the greenies rather than the cream. But even though she was a woman of excellence in, in all her ways, even though she was trustworthy, she still had to come to the Lord's social provision as one who was a person in need, and that's what she was doing. She had to come to, her appeal was to, to God's source. She was one who came based on the covenant promise that God had made. Okay? And it was, she came and appealed on the basis of 
grace alone and not uh, on the basis of grace and not merit and need and not ability. It's all of grace. Anytime we deal with the Lord, it's all of grace. Ruth had a need for redemption. God had made the provision for her to be redeemed. Ruth has humbled herself and she's asked for that redemption. She's asking that her Goel redeem her. And then we're going to see a little bit, in just a few minutes, of the response of redemption. And then next week we'll, we'll go into this a little bit more. Chapter 3, verse 10. This is Boaz's response. Then he, Boaz, said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now my daughter, pick up how he's, he's speaking to her, how he's referring to her. Twice now, my daughter. Now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Don't you think her heart kind of dropped at that moment? You know, if if um, if Hollywood was putting this on, I'm sure Boaz would have been tall, dark, and handsome, and the other guy would have been short, fat, and stubby, you know. But I mean, here... You know, they're obviously drawn together, and she says, but there is a closer relative than I. You have to you have to honor Boaz's willingness to stand in line and stand in God's line if that was necessary. You know, if God's plan was something better, then Boaz was willing to step out of the way and let that be. So often our emotions get into it, and we don't want to do that. She says, now... It is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And again he said, Give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. And then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, then she came, when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did it go, my daughter? And she said, And she told her, all the man had done for her. She said, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, Do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then she said, Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled this today. So Boaz's response to her was, My daughter, number one, I will do whatever you ask. And then also he says, may you be blessed of the Lord. You know, understanding that the provision, the blessing that was going to come through him 
was the blessing of the Lord, and that's what he wanted for her. He says something unusual. He says, um, let's see. Okay, verse 10. May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or, or rich. The idea that your last kindness is better than your first. Several commentators give a play on that. <coughs> what apparently he's talking about here is that that there's more involved than just Ruth, her future, her happiness. It's the it's the the nation of Israel. It's the Jewish people that are involved, and part of God's plan in working through the Redeemer was to help restore that entire family, not just the individual, not just Ruth, but Ruth and and her entire and her um, and her family. You know, Ruth could have done it her own way. She could have come back and she should have, could have struck out on her own to build her own life to provide for herself the way that she wanted to. But she didn't. She submitted herself to do it God's way. Regardless of what God wanted, she was willing to do it. And I think that's part of what he's talking about of this thing, this, this last kindness, okay? Um, She put aside her own rights, her own desires, so that she could fulfill what God wanted to do in her life for her personally and what God wanted to do through her for her immediate family and for the nation of Israel. But we're going to see God's plan worked out. Boaz lays it on he says, a relative, there's a relative that is closer than I. If he does not wish to redeem you, then I will. But we've got to give him the first option. We've got to give him the opportunity to exercise this right if that's got what God wants him to be, what God wants him to do. And you know, when you do it God's way, you have confidence that he's going to work it out. You've got confidence that he is orchestrating what's going on. Had Boaz started, tried to grab Ruth without going through this, this chain of command, so to speak, of, then he would never have known whether she was the right one or not. But he left it to the Lord. He said, there's a closer relative. Let's see what he says. If he will redeem you, then we're going to take that to be God's way of redemption for you and he can have you. If not, I will step in, I will redeem you. Boaz obviously wanted Ruth as his wife, but he too was willing to submit to, to God's will and find out exactly what it was God had for them. And next week we'll do that. And I can't say come back next week and find out what happens because you all know what happens. But next week we will look at it, um, it God's working through the life of, of Ruth as a result of, of uh, her decisions and a result of um, Boaz's willingness to, to do it God's way.
a beautiful story of redemption and revival in the life of Ruth, in the life of, of um, Naomi and Boaz. And I'm just about out of time. So let's have a word of prayer and then we will pray. Father, we take great confidence in knowing that your plans were laid before the foundation of the world. And God, you know every person that will ever be born, that will ever live from now, from the beginning of time through eternity. And you know what you want to do in their lives. You want to know how you want to glorify yourself. You want to know how you, you know how you want to bless that person. You know how that person is to fit into your eternal plan of redemption. So God, we just praise you that these things are settled in heaven. We thank you that you rule and overrule in our lives to make them a reality in our lives so that we fulfill the destiny that you have set for us. So God, we praise you. We give you honor and glory as the one who rules over all, the one who loves us, the one who redeems us, the one who revives us. We give you praise now, Lord, for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.